Welcome to the Digital Workflow Dentistry Podcast Series. We help dentists adapt, adopt, and advance in the world of dental technology. For more information about upcoming lectures, webinars, and podcasts, please go to our website, www.digitalworkflowdentist.com, and Instagram at Digital Workflow Dentistry. Good afternoon, dental internet world. My name is Vishal Sharma, and I'm once again here alongside my friend and colleague, Dr. Mike Parchewski. Mike, it's good to see you. It is February 15th. We know what that means. It's the day after Valentine's Day. And as I was walking into our studio, I noticed that the floor is littered with the open packages of chocolate hearts. So I don't know what you got up to yesterday, but did uh, Cupid happen to strike? Well, let me be honest uh, with two kids. uh, Pretty much the only thing I get from Cupid is hit over the head with the bow. So I would say, no, that's just me splurging on some chocolate, probably. How about you? How was your Valentine's? Uh, it was uh, relatively uneventful. It's, uh, it's busy right now. I know you're feeling busy right now as well with a lot of courses. Uh, clinically, things are really busy in the middle of February. You know, both you and I have a lot of um, educational undertakings kind of hanging over us. And one of the really exciting ones is in three weeks' time, you and I will be once again co-presenting at the Pacific Dental Conference in Vancouver, British Columbia. Yeah, I'm excited. Um, and you know, you said it there very well, is that everything seems to be happening right now. Uh, conferences are back on, education events are happening. Last year was a bit of a transition, and last year PDC didn't go ahead. And I think, um, you know, I, I, I just noticed their their email that came out today saying that there will be no virtual and pretty much said, listen, teams, we want you here on site. Let's get this thing going. And I, I have a feeling it's going to be a bumper year. I think it's going to be huge. And I'm really excited that, you know, that we're going to be part of it uh, lecturing together. Yeah, I, I certainly uh, feel a lot of energy and momentum in, in downtown Calgary. I know you're experiencing the same. And an interesting aspect is one of our initial pandemic podcasts was related to team culture and ensuring that everyone was comfortable and, and patients felt safe and secure. And, you know, I'll tell you, it's it's full steam ahead. We're, we're busy with flow in the office. Uh, the culture within our, our main practice has never been better. Um, and I think people are really just focusing on advancing their skills, honing their clinical uh, skill set and, and offerings, and, and getting in person, uh, getting together in person to discuss uh dentistry and and really just enjoying uh, the conference setting. So I'm excited for it. I know you are. And uh, the topic of our conversation today, our podcast today, is actually going to be delving into what we'll be discussing in a few weeks time. Yeah, I I think it's super important what we're going to be delivering at PDC. Obviously, that's a plug for people to come check us out. But this topic that we're doing is, is opportunities you have with new patients with digital technology. And I can safely say that I've been noticing this post-pandemic that technology and the exam process that we use with our patients in a co-discovery um, supportive role where we're showing the patient what's happening is going to be the driver for, I think, going forward. You know, you and I chatted um, on our previous podcast. We were talking about, you know, AI technology and, and what AI is going to do. And everybody's talking chat GPT and, you know, that's people are going to be looking to technology. And if you're not digital scanning and you're not doing that, you're, I think this year you're going to be really starting to fall off the radar. How do you, what do you think about that uh, guided discovery 
co-discovery type of uh, approach? Yeah, you know, uh, one of the first items that we'll be discussing in our presentation is, uh, you know, visual cues. So how are we going to meet the demands or needs of uh, a demanding, uh, really savvy client base, people who are exposed to chat GPT, AI technology, um, you know, do their Google research, have TikTok and, and Instagram and, and social media um, support or, um, you know, that social license that tells them this is what they want to do. They're educated from that perspective. So from our perspective, the prime scan or digital impression is, is the key component to that. And if you had asked, if you asked me to take that away from my new patient exam, where we're just back to visually describing what we're seeing, talking about what we're seeing, you know, writing things down on a piece of paper or an erasable board, it would just be such a, a, a paradigm shift, a backward shift. I'm not sure how well I would be able to adapt to it. So, you know, the first component with that co-discovery to me is a digital scan where you've got a colorized uh, topographical map uh, showing where the occlusal contacts are, discussing inflammation, discussing crowding, all of those things. And then really that opens up the avenue for um, other components. After that aspect, Mike, what then are you delving into after the, the digital scan? Well, you know, of course, when that patient comes in, you know, we're reviewing medical history, we're reviewing their dental history, chief concerns, making sure that we're addressing the reason they're in the office. And then using that digital impression helps set a baseline, you know, gives us the, the information that we need for the future to look at how, you know, the bite changes, where aesthetic exam, consult on aligners, anything that we're starting to plan on, we're going to use those digital impressions in the future. And then the other part of it is, you know, x-rays and what do we need for baseline? And a big part of what I teach and, and, and what we make part of our big workflow is that CBCT. Because with the CBCT, we, we have low mode, we have medium mode, we have HD. You know, we are able to dial in the, the field of view and we're able to dial in the radiation dose so that we can use our CBCT as a tool now and keep those Alara principles um, you know, well, well managed. So I really feel that the, the CBCT is a big piece of it. And then the, the ability for us to use that in a visual, in a visual field. So one thing that we teach is, is you know, the, that whole, you know, you think back to dental school and there you were in a dark room you know, you'd capture your films and then you'd be, you'd be in that, you, and you probably have those. I thought you meant an emotional dark room and I was like, which direction is this going on? But you meant a physical, uh, obviously exposure dark rooms. So yeah. That, that well, I, I don't know about you, but back in dental school, it might've felt that way. <laughs> like, re you know, really, you know? Um, but yeah, you know, there you were in the dark room, you're looking at the x-rays, you're writing reports, you're writing down what your findings are. Patients somewhere else, they've, they're coming back or you're, you're going to go see them, um, and there's a disconnect there. And so I really feel when we talk about the visual, visible, uh, the visual cues showing the patients, the guided discovery principles, that CBCT is, does not need to be hidden in the, in the back. It's got to be there present. There's nothing wrong, of course. You know, CBCT gets taken. I like to do my quick report workflow before I go see the patient. But then I'm bringing that that film up in front of the patient. You know, with DS Core, you can bring your CBCT up in any room quickly or with Cydexa. So you bring up your CBCT in that, in that exam room with your patient, and now you're going to start looking through the CBCT with the patient. Because I don't know about you, but they see the 3D skull and they think it's an amazing 
It's the one thing I've had patients take pictures or videos with their phone of mm -hmm. to show somebody and go, well, you gotta, you know, you gotta show my uh, partner. I gotta show my partner this. Let me take a photo of it. So I really feel that the using the CBCT is is in front of the patient, going through it, seeing what you're seeing is is super important. And I'll and I'll I'll just give you one example and of uh, something recent. You know, we had a patient that came in, you know, struggling. Just uh, I think it was on Monday, struggling with um, with airway. Like you know, not sure if they have sleep apnea, but snoring a little bit. And when I walk in the room. They're, you know, younger patient, you know, healthy, everything else really checked out really well. Um, but they, you know, you could tell that nasal tone, right? And she was getting a consult with an ENT uh, for possible deviated septum fix for cosmetic purposes. And she's on a big delay, doesn't know if she wants to get it done. So we pull up her CBCT and she literally has no room for air. Like there's no path for air to go. So my comment to her was, listen... You know, you really should get the nose, um, you know, aligned, get that septum fixed, but you should, you might also need a turbinate reduction. You might need to get some of that massive tissue down. Now, possibly Flonase to bring that down, some humidification. If we can bring the inflammation down, move air better, and then have the deviated septum fixed, that might solve a lot of your sleep issues. That might solve a lot of the problems that you're having. And I haven't even looked at her teeth yet. And I made a joke in, in on Monday on, in, in the room with the patient. I made a joke. I said, okay, well, we solved all these things. Now maybe we should look at your teeth. And isn't that a paradigm shift as opposed to coming into the room and just staring at the teeth and fitting that, that model that you see on, in the movies that a dentist is not a real doctor, right? So one follow-up question, uh, when you're doing your new patient exams, do you have the lights on or are you you're turning it into a dark room and the lights are off? So, <laughs> no. um, you know, the one component I think for people who are looking to get into this co-discovery evaluation that you and I have obviously been big proponents of for a number of years is it is a bit of uh, an art to diagnosing what you're seeing on a CBCT, having your assistants kind of scrolling through and having that set template as to what they're looking at and describing it to the patient simultaneously. But it's a great time-saving component. And I, I rarely, in a new client or new patient exam or new client consultation, I rarely will look at that CBCT or any of the records before coming into the exam. I'm, I'm going through that um, basically in sequence. We'll start with the intraoral photography, um, look at the you know retracted views, the occlusal views or the aerial views, switch over to radiographs quickly, CBCT will go through in detail, and then we're typically switching to our prime scan at the end and bringing it all together from that perspective. But I would agree with you, just the ability to uh, discuss what you're seeing simultaneously, number one, it differenti differentiates you from other offices, but two, I think it really engages and makes the patient a partner in their dental care, as opposed to just kind of discussing what you're seeing and they're not able to see the same things. Yeah, and I think that's what patients are looking for, is they're looking for somebody that's treating them not like a number, you're in, out, 1-4-D-O, see um, They want something that's thinking about their wellness. And I, post-pandemic, I'm seeing the, the focus more on wellness. Yeah. People are thinking about their overall health and um, thinking long-term and longevity and lifespan. All of these keep increasing. All the money that uh, is being spent now on on uh, research to figure out how to live longer, we are sort of part of that because our patients are going to need their their 
teeth and their dental work to last that, that time. Um, now, let me ask you a question. In dentistry, um, what do you see as sort of the, you know, and we'll be talking about this at the PDC, but what do you see as the emerging types of things that we're seeing in dentistry that are going to be the sort of the, uh, the, the treatment parts that remember, like in the seventies, it was, um, you know, uh, cavities were everywhere. And then, you know, eighties, nineties, it was replacing the silver fillings. And so what do you see now being some of these big emerging trends that we're seeing that are going to be filling our chairs? Well, I, I think it's going to be a, a few things. The first aspect is the understanding that occlusal disease over the years and decades can turn someone's healthy mouth into one that requires just a lot of invasive involving dentistry. And if you can balance the bite and put teeth in the best position to support the periodontal health over the years and decades, regardless of, of that person's uh, personal habits, they're going to be in better shape for sure. And you and I have been, been obviously following that protocol for a number of years. But I think the next one that we're going to see that really ties into the generation that we're seeing emerging into the workforce being so health conscientious, which I think is a great thing. And I've experienced the same thing that you just echoed. I think the periodontal pathogen testing and being able to more effectively and sequentially treat destructive periodontal pathogens, I don't think we're there yet, but we're certainly with oral DNA and other protocols getting there. I think that'll be the next evolution in, in, in dental care. And that's my estimation with it. Obviously, <clears throat> excuse me, I know that you, um, of course, implants are a big part of what we do. And uh, there's the periodontal component, but I know you've got a really interesting theory on what we're going to be seeing, and uh, we're going to be discussing it at PDC. So why don't you talk about the uh, the the next pandemic that we're going to see in dentistry? <laughs> so I I don't know if any of you guys have been noticing this as much as myself, but I feel we're we're walking into what I call the PFM pandemic, and um, you know I'll, I'll put a trademark on that right now. Don't tell Pfizer. And no. <laughs> And, and yeah, well, I wonder what the vaccine would be, CEREC, the CEREC vaccine. So what, and I, and I don't mean, you know, any disrespect for the PFM crown and, and metal restorations, but what I'm saying is those cements have a lifespan and the, the bond between a metal crown and a tooth has a lifespan. And so what we're seeing is a lot of the dentistry that's 20, 30 years old is failing in the entire mouth. And it's not that they're not looking after it. It's not that they're not in for their hygiene visits. It's simply that the margin is degrading. The cements at the margins are degrading. And you take off the PFM and lo and behold, the, it's only held on by friction. The cement has failed and you have that thermal cycling. So you have the black stain. And the good news is if you get in, and get in there on time, you have an easy case to restore. The bad news is when you watch and wait and take that sort of, well, I'll wait till it hurts or I'll, you know, and a lot of dentists are doing this. They're just saying, well, I don't want to touch it. I don't want to remove that crown. I don't want to remove that gold crown because it's gold. I don't want to remove that PFM crown because it still looks really good. Um, and all these defective margins are just rotting out, out, out people's mouths. And I think to me, it's, I don't know if we could call it the, the PFM pandemic or, or um, you know, dead tooth walking, but to me, it's um, that I think will be huge. Yeah, you raise a good point. Like part of our new patient intake evaluation is a discussion on life expectancy and how when you and I were in dental school, there was never a conversation that said your patients are going to live to be 95 years of age and they're going to keep, if not all of their teeth, most of their teeth. 
And so in the new patient consultation, we bring that up and that that's exciting. That's an exciting concept that life expectancy and, and health outcomes have improved. But what we've been doing historically in dentistry, especially with the PFM uh, pre-pandemic causes, is, is not intended for people to keep their teeth until 95. We've changed that recently, um, but those were never really the methodologies that we utilize. So, you know, it's a controversial topic because there's the discussion on overtreatment, which I can understand. But I think you're absolutely right. If I look at what I would want in my mouth and I have a heavily leaking PFM that's been in there for a long period of time, asymptomatic, you know, whatever restoration we put on there next has now a law of diminishing returns. It will not last 30 years because you're not putting it on the same structure. It's a more compromised structure. And so what's the evolution and the replacement down the road after that? Maybe it's, you know, a stem cell injection and the tooth regrows, but we've got a plan for providing dentistry with the current limitations on the technology. And so I, I think you're right. I've been guilty of maybe watching and waiting a little bit too long, especially with gold. And we're starting to see some of those now older baby boomers who are still much healthier than they ever thought they would have been 30 or 40 years ago, you know, expecting to keep their teeth for another 20 years. And, and some of those restorations are challenging. So I can see where the, the pandemic will be uh, coming on. What else are we going to be going over at uh, PDC, Mike? We've discussed CBCT, digital scanning, some of the communication tools with our patients that we're discussing, opening the avenue for ortho, obviously implants, airway, as you've discussed. Um, what else will we be discussing? So another, another part of it is case acceptance. And so there's no point doing a whole thorough exam, showing all this technology, figuring out all these problems that a patient has. And in the end, um, they say no, or they're not going to do it. And, you know, they're going to wait till it hurts or falls out. And so that's where our co-discovery method helps the process for case acceptance. But case acceptance starts by engaging the patient. They've got to be alert and awake and paying attention. And the best way to do that is visually, sure. you know, so, and I'll, and I'll give you an example. You know, I had a, had a patient came in for a new patient exam that was a friend of a colleague. So, you know, they're coming in specifically to see me. They said, hey, you know, Mike's a good dentist. You got to go see him. And I didn't do anything wow for this patient. Just do what I normally do. So patient comes in, we put them in the chair. I come say hi. We chit chat a little bit, find out about their medical history, what their chief concerns are. But I took the time to address their chief concern. I took the time to take some photos and the hilarious part about it is this was a scenario where, you know, it was at the end of the day, we fit them in. So we, we didn't even have our digital scan yet. Okay. We, we, we had a couple of, of films and I think we had a, um, a recent CBCT was done, uh, but the patient just wasn't getting anywhere with their concerns at, at their current dental office. So we, we quickly just took a look and sat them down and we just chatted. So I took my intro camera and took a picture. And we just sat there looking at the screen, talking about the problem that that tooth is probably having. Then we pull up the little quick x-ray. We said, you know, like I said, well, we'll probably end up wanting to get a CBCT to check this, this. And, and that was it. We came up with a plan. It was mostly occlusion driven. And um, we came up with a plan and a solution, basic stuff. And the patient walked out and was like, felt it was like a revolution. And for me, it was a quick, fast engagement with the patient. But the reason why it was effective is because we did it together. 
And so then the, my colleague calls me and goes, I don't know what you did, but like, she's amazed about how you did your exam and said it's the best experience she's had at a dental office. And I sat back and I thought to myself and I go, well, I kind of felt like I rushed it a bit because I kind of wanted to go home because it was after work. But the, and when I thought about it, I'm like, you know, it's the engagement. It's the fact that you're taking the time to sit the sit at the same level of the patient and communicate to them and actually care about their concerns, right? So it's not super complicated, but boy, is it ever powerful. You know, I'll tell you, if this doesn't sound like a Valentine love story with <laughs> engagement and powerful, I don't know what is. Uh, Maybe I'm still reeling from the whole Cupid hitting me in the head here. It could be. It's a little CTE. Uh, I would uh, strongly and biasedly encourage all of you to come check out our presentation at PDC. Mike and I have put a lot of work into it. We're really excited to showcase some of the things that we've done in our office that have, I think, contributed to uh, the culture and the success within our offices. And a lot of that starts with that digital technology, improving our treatment plans, our case presentations, and, and really enabling us to set ourselves up for good long-term care for our patients. So uh, PDC, uh, 1.30 to 4 p.m. Pacific time on Thursday, March 9th. Yeah, thank God it's Thursday. We'll see you there. Okay. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everyone. Uh, please like and subscribe at Digital Workflow Dentistry Instagram. All of our links are there, digitalworkflowdentist.com. Everybody be well and watch out for that Cupid's boat.